research and incentives, we can break our dependence on oil with biofuels and become the first country to have a million electric vehicles on the road by 2050. You're listening to the Energy Policy Podcast, a production of the Center for the New Energy Economy at Colorado State University. I'm your host, Tom Plant. I'm your co-host, Jeff Ling. And we're going to be talking today about transportation. We just heard from President Obama. That was from his 2011 State of the Union speech, putting out a pretty bold goal there. It's a very bold goal. And that was back in 2011 when uh, we don't have the data for 2011, but in 2012, mid-year, 35,000 vehicles were on the road in July. So, and that jumped, but that jumped up to 120,000 right. in 2013, and up to that what, was a big year. 2014, 240,000. 240,000. So high growth curve, but not not hitting that million million vehicle mark. Um, not yet. I mean, if, if we're if it's if we're doubling every year or so, or or something just south of that. We've got a couple more years to go, but um, there have been other ambitious goals that have been put forth by other elected officials. Um, uh, Governor Brown in California signed a bill, Tom, in 2013 that committed his state to one million zero emission vehicles by by 2023, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just in the state of California. Yep. And then eight governors also signed an MOU in 2013 calling for 3.3 million zero emission vehicles, ZEVs, uh, by 2025. Right. So, so we're looking out, uh, I think the, pres- the president put a, put a goalpost down that was admittedly a, an aggressive one. We've seen a real response in the market. While we haven't hit that million vehicle goal that the president laid out there, we have seen right. electric vehicles grow from about two electric vehicles available two two, model models yeah uh, in 2011 to about 20 today Uh, and so we're seeing a growth and a maturity in the marketplace and I you know begs a question of why why is it that that uh, policymakers around the country might be interested in moving towards electric vehicles or alternative fuel vehicles so we're going to talk a little bit about that in our podcast today and then get into uh, the next podcast, some of the state and local policies that are driving EV adoption. And in our third, uh, the third podcast, we'll talk a little bit about um, about what how this how this impacts utilities and what what are we seeing in trends in utilities? How can this contribute? What are some of the challenges and what are some of the potential solutions that are out there? Yeah, so that's a that's an ambitious lineup for this uh, conversation. Transportation is a, is a huge, huge topic. I think we're going to really uh, uh, narrow in on zero emission, low emission vehicles. Really, probably deep dive on electric vehicles. How this trans you know electrification of the transportation sector uh, will impact carbon emissions. How, as you were just talking about, how will it impact the the utility business model and the role that utilities have in all of this. And what are the consumer options out there? There, there, are, there, are, there are sort of dizzying uh, options in terms of yeah. buying a new vehicle and even buying a new electric vehicle. Right. Um, and so, so that, that's a, a lot to discuss. I think one of the things that we ought to try to cover today is the, uh, this sort of myth about uh, emissions uh, in switching to an electric vehicle, right? The, a myth that um, going from a gasoline-powered vehicle to an electric vehicle or or a hybrid vehicle um, is a wash for the environment because the majority of our power in the United States is coal-fired generation. Right, right. And, you know, first of all, I think we need to acknowledge that 
the emissions profile of electricity around the country varies widely. Uh, Hugely. If you're, if you're in the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest, most of your power is coming from hydro. Um, you've got some parts of the country where you're getting a great deal of your power from nuclear. Right. Um, and then uh, varying degrees of natural gas. We're also seeing RPSs, renewable portfolio standards, which we've talked about in the past, uh, expanding the renewable component of the electricity mix throughout the country and, as well. And RPSs are uh, mandated in 30 states, right. Tom, and there are eight other states that have voluntary RPSs. So um, so I, I think this is a threshold question that we need to kind of put on the table and get out of the way early about is there a is there a, a, a climate benefit to shifting to electric vehicles? And the answer is yes. Absolutely. And, yes. But to what degree varies depending varies. which state you're right. in. But I think there's there's a couple things that we should acknowledge. One is that carbon emissions or greenhouse gas emissions from the transportation sector account for 27% of the U.S. Uh, portfolio of emissions. So, right. it's a, so it's a major component that we need to address through the transportation sector. And then also... One of the unique things about uh, electric vehicles as opposed to other fueled vehicles is that your generation of the pollution you know, for your fuel is central. It's central station. Exactly. And, and so and there's, as, one, there's one tailpipe. There's or, or one tailpipe, right. And so as that continues to clean over the 10 to 20 years that that vehicle is going to be on the road, you're going to continually have cleaner emissions attributable to that vehicle. And that's directly counter to traditional mobile source emissions, which are gasoline-powered vehicles or diesel vehicles or natural gas vehicles even, where the efficiency of your engine declines over time, and so your emissions actually increase uh, as, as uh, time goes on and as that vehicle is on the road. So it's a completely different dynamic, I think, when you're talking about um, the electric vehicle, and one which I think points to cleaner and cleaner emissions as vehicles improve, but also as the emissions profile of our generating mix improves. Well, you're making a really great point about um, <clears throat> large point source uh, 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 emissions and from uh, smokestacks, for, from power plant smokestacks versus uh, diffuse mobile sources. And, and I think that kind of speaks to, how, frankly, how difficult the transportation sector is to begin to curtail greenhouse gas emissions. I mean, let's not forget, you know, America has a love affair with the car, yeah, you know, absolutely. and mobility. And the whole post-World uh, War II uh, um, uh, urbanization or uh, suburbanization and and driving to work and, and the freedom of owning a vehicle. So there's also an the emotional... Road trip. The road the trip road is trip, a right. major part of being it's, an American. The, if, <laughs> if you've not been on a road trip and you're an American, you need, need to really ask yourself what you're doing this summer, right? <laughs> um, and so I, there's an emotional component to this as well um, around our relationship with our cars, sure. right? And we'll, we're going to talk about things like you know, range anxiety for charging and, uh, and those sorts of things that are a real part of the conversation when you, when you think about why are consumers buying or not buying electric vehicles. Right. Well, as we look at, you know, the public benefits, you know, obviously one of them, the, the greenhouse gas emissions we've talked about. The other one is jobs, you know, and this is always of interest to people in the public sector. How many jobs are they creating? How is this impacting their local employment? And when you look at uh, an electric vehicle, for example, you're generally powering from uh, power that's generated in your state right. or in your region, right. if you happen to be a part of an ISO or an RTO. 
And uh, natural gas, uh, generally, it's going to be coming from the U.S. Um, and 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 increasingly so. So we're talking about uh, U.S. jobs and even more local jobs in the EV sector, as opposed to uh, the gasoline sector, where you know much of our of our fuel is coming in from overseas, and so you can't really attribute that directly to um, generation here in the U.S. Not only that, but you know there's there are issues of sort of national security, right, oh, yeah. and uh, around. This conversation it's a it's a very complicated and complex topic. The cost of securing, uh, you know, fuel uh, yeah. corridors around the world has been uh, something that people have been very concerned about. You know, the years. the renewables community, the the solar community. Tom talks about something, and, and others talk about a, a concept of well to wheels. Mm -hmm. What is the what is the well to wheels um, uh, environmental so talk about impact what that means. of that? What does that mean? So uh, you can't talk about well to wheels without mentioning the, the the software that's used to evaluate it, the GREET tool, G R E E T, and that has to do with you know what is the where is the greatest um, uh, uh, Carbon benefit from uh, from offset from from PV from electricity uh, generated by uh, renewable sources uh, when it's offsetting either uh, coal or or uh, gasoline, and the answer is that the greatest benefit, the greatest impact from renewable generation, uh, is when it's offsetting uh, gas. Uh, and so this shift from you're thinking about a, a future where the grid is powered from renewables, perhaps on-site renewables perhaps PV, you know, at your home or business or parking garage that's charging batteries, uh, maybe charging your vehicle battery directly, that's directly offsetting, um, you know, what, what otherwise would have been powering the vehicle, which is gasoline. So yeah. this sort of life cycle analysis of, of greenhouse gas emissions, thinking about a well, meaning the oil well, to wheels, what is the best sort of suite of technologies uh, in that spectrum? One of the other things we've been talking mostly about sort of public benefits of, of switching to EVs and why that's a, of interest to policymakers, but there's also an interest on the part of consumers for switching. Um, and, you know, absent the things that you mentioned like range anxiety and, and charging time requirements and things like that, the costs of operating an electric vehicle are, are much lower than those of operating a traditional vehicle, a traditional fuel vehicle. And so that's an attractive uh, attractive option. You have a Volt, and you get about... Which is the superior electric vehicle. <laughs> I have Wait. a Leaf, so we can debate that. Um, but the the Volt, you're getting about how many miles per gallon in... in your uh, an honest 65 to 70 miles per gallon. So about double Volt. than right. a, a right. standard car that might be getting 30, 35 miles per gallon. So you're saving, you know, uh, you know, anywhere from $2 to $1 a gallon, depending on on how much the gas is going for um, in the the distance that you can travel and so that's a that's an attractive thing you know to to your monthly sort of bill the same is true with electric vehicles we tend to think of of um, you know miles per kilowatt hour uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to miles per gallon or the cost to drive a hundred miles which is you know a little bit easier to just calculate and you know when you're paying about 10 cents a kilowatt hour here in Colorado it that comes out to about $2.50 $2 in an electric vehicle and a LEAF to, to drive 100 miles. If you compare that to a, thir to a 30 mile per gallon car at $4 a gallon, it's a little over 13 
dollars. You know, so that comparison of 250 to 13, it's pretty hefty savings. And that comes down as the gas prices come down, but um, you're still you're still experiencing a savings just in operational thing. And I think that's an attractive thing to, to people. The other the other piece. So of, there's an O and M savings, right? O&M there there savings, may be an absolutely. incremental cost of initial cost of purchase and ownership. Right. But in terms of the total cost of ownership, you're saying the O and M, the the fuel costs, uh, the reduced maintenance, etc., are all result in a lower cost of ownership. Absolutely. And it, the maintenance is another one you just brought up. Um, for electric vehicles, certainly, if you think about your vehicle, what are the things, uh, the, the repairs that you're always having to do, right? It might be your water pump. It might be your right. fuel injector. It right. might be your uh, timing belt or various different belts that your engine has. Uh, you know, all these are things that don't exist in an electric motor. Or, or run less frequently in, in a, a, in a hybrid a vehicle. Whole, yeah. right. so, so there are savings there as well. So there are some attractions there. And you mentioned the upfront cost of vehicles. And we're going to get into that when we start talking about state policies and federal policies because there are a number of incentives out there state to, rebate try, and, programs, to try and reduce those costs. So we're going to talk about that in the next podcast. Uh, you've been listening to the Energy Policy Podcast, a production of the Center for the New Energy Economy at Colorado State University. I'm your host, Tom Plant. I'm your co-host, Jeff Ling. Thanks for listening.